Start it off. Let's go. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Is For Podcast. Tonight it is just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and adopt my new name, Monster G. I okay. like Monster G better. I didn't I didn't realize you had come up with a new one, but okay, you know I I can get behind Monster. No, G. I think Sarge I think Sarge kind of threw it out there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna latch onto it because I think it's befitting. All uh, right. Don't know what the G stands for, but that's fine. Monster G. Is well, cool. G um, stood for Gator, so you are Monster Gator. I like it. Or I like it. Or I'm just gonna call you MG. 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 That's that's still that's still better than Baby Gator. So I'll take that's it. Fair. Um, fair enough. So it's Monster G and Danger, and tonight we are doing the letter V is for video. Nasties. All right, so now, tell me what video nasties are because I was really unfamiliar with video nasties. I've known some of the titles, but I'm not really familiar with video nasties as a whole. Yes. Okay. So back in the early '80s in the UK, they coined this term "video nasty," which is a very UK name. It is. It is video nasty. Right. Nasty. Is that even close to a British accent? Uh, no. No, but no. On. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So basically what these were, were these were films that were criticized for their violent content. And eventually between talking head pundits and news articles and stuff, they sort of just like with everything kind of get blown out of proportion. Right. But basically what happened, super long story short, the rating system for films going to theater was different than the uh, rating system for films going to home video. Yeah, there it's kind of always been like that, hasn't it? A little bit. But basically, there was a loophole in film classification laws for VHS tapes because VHS was a relatively new medium. They didn't really know how to regulate it yet. Right. So basically, what was happening was these films that they reviewed, and we'll get into some of the actual films in a few minutes, but like they would review them for theatrical release and be like, okay, this is a little, this is a little rough. We'll, we'll cut out 10 seconds here, a minute there, whatever. To make um, it a little bit more palatable. You're right. More palatable for UK audiences. And then when they would get released to VHS, nobody would bat an eye because they were just, they kind of slipped under the radar because the rating sensors uh, wasn't quite the same thing. And the there time. are, there are so many movies that just got released on VHS and whatnot and never right. made it to yeah, exactly. movies or movie theaters. So basically what ended up happening was the director of public prosecutions released a list of 72 films that were believed to violate the Obscene Publications Act of 1959 in the UK. Another list of 82 films, uh, which they felt weren't necessarily quite that strong, but still needed to be, uh, they could still get a Section 3 obs obscenity charge attached to it. Obscenity um, charge? Yes. Did people so they, actually get in trouble for these movies? Yes. So what ended up happening was Parliament passed a bill in 1984 called the Video Recordings Act. And what this did was it imposed stricter code of censorships on videos than what was required for the cinema release. So again, you could release a film to the cinema, but when it came to VHS, you had to cut it up more. The idea was, okay, you're 25, you go to the movie theater, whatever, you know what you're going to see. But if you're 25 and you buy a home video, 
you might have a two-year-old kid at home. What if that kid puts in your copy of The Evil Dead? That kid will be scarred for the rest of their life. Or decide that they like a certain kind of movie the rest of their life. That's that's probably more applicable, but, you know. Right, but um, in the fear of the government, it's it's it'll scar the children. Uh, exactly, exactly. So, as time went on, they introduced this thing called the Obscene Publications Act. And this, I love this definition, okay? This is the definition of films that fall under the Obscene Publications Act. They are films that tend to deprave and corrupt persons who are likely, having regard to all relevant circumstances, to read, see, or hear the matter contained or embodied in it. Basically, what that means is these are films that are considered so despicable that just a good old-fashioned well-mannered child will watch it and become depraved and deranged and crave violence. Now, let me tell you right now, Teenage Monster G, Teenage Danger, Teenage Sarge, we read that. And it Those makes us want to... we want to watch. I know. <laughs> it makes me want to watch them now. Exactly. It's, yeah. At some point, I don't know when it happened, but they had to start realizing that when you put these types of titles and I guess descriptions on movies, those are the ones that are seeked out and watched more than anything else by these kids that shouldn't watch them in the first place. This literally made headline news in the newspapers in the UK. And they I don't were like, doubt it. home videos causing children to think violent thoughts. And it's like, again, if you're, 12, 13 years old, and you catch your, your parents reading the newspaper, and they're warning you about these films that are going to corrupt your brain, that's what you want to go watch. Exactly. Because every kid wants to do the wrong thing. Exactly. <laughs> Let's be honest. The kids want to do the wrong things. I was a kid. You were a kid. We sucked. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so you asked a few minutes ago if people actually got in trouble for this. Well, what yep. ended up happening was when they when they introduced this Obscene Publications Act, it gave the police more power to actually go into video stores oh God. and seize some of these films. So the police were empowered to seize videos from retailers if they were of the opinion that the material was in breach of the act. There's some funny stories about this. In fact, there's one funny story where some cops went into a video store in the UK and some of the films they seized, one of them was The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, the Dolly Parton family musical. <laughs> ah, just based on the title, I assume. Exactly. Exactly. They took because the I'm, guess, said, I'm guessing they yeah. didn't go in with a list of the movies that were banned or on this list and found those movies. They just went based off of what they said. Now, you know, knowing what the best little whorehouse in Texas is, the title is completely misleading. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. Absolutely yeah. is. I mean, um, let, let's take a second to talk about the fact that Dolly Parton herself, if you look at her, is misleading. Dolly Parton has started this company that uh, releases a children's book, one per month to a family. Uh, my wife and I are subscribed to it. We get a children's book every month. Yeah, I think I know about this. We're going. It's fantastic. It's wonderful. Dolly Parton is a is a treasure. Dolly Parton is also a liar. There is no nine to five. <laughs> Um, I think anyone with two eyes can look at Dolly Parton and tell that she's a liar. Yeah. 
I mean, when so, you walk away from Do from anything of Dolly Parton, all you remember is the Dollies. She casts a shadow <laughs> as okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> back to topic. <laughs> okay, so all of this really came to a head in 1982 when a uh, UK distributor of the film The Driller Killer took out a full-page advertisement in one of those video magazines from back in the day where you would, like, order VHS tapes from. And it basically showed one of the most graphic scenes of the film. So, again, the kind of thing that makes the average you know, especially young adult who's interested in horror films go, I need to see this is what made the UK government go. We have to get rid of this. <laughs> right. Which so, kind of, which kind of uh, makes sense. I'm sure that they saw their, the error of their ways. No. Oh, sorry. No, they have I am. I'm mistaken. You're getting, you're getting ahead of me a little bit, but we'll get there. Um, Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, so again, in the early 80s, they were doing all these different things to try to crack down on these video nasties that were going to just ruin society and corrupt all the young adults in the UK. And so then in 1984, they passed another um, bill called the Video Recordings Act of 1984. And this is the one that basically said that films that were released for the theater that were uncut needed to be further cut for the home video release, which I want to get into this further as, as the discussion goes on. That is literally the exact opposite of what we do today. Right. They cut the graphic stuff out to get an R rating so they can put it in mainstream theaters. And then when it comes out on, you know, home DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, they give you the unrated cut with six more minutes. Of right. I'm pretty sure that violent. I'm pretty sure there's been a handful of movies that were only released in unrated cut, unedited cut. So a little bit of a side note, like back here in America, one of the tricky things was you couldn't advertise certain films unless you had an R rating. So like, uh, I remember this was a big deal when Dawn of the Dead first came out in the seventies. It was basically an unrated film so the only way you knew it was even playing at the cinema was if you called and asked because they could not advertise yeah. the film Dawn of the Dead because it was too, quote unquote, graphic. Well, at the time, you know, there really was nothing like that in theaters. No, 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 no. Uh, and a lot of times they would have like a listing of films and then somewhere on the advertisement, it might say, and, uh, you know, some other film X rated you know, and, and you would have to call to find out what that film was. Right. Yeah. I do know that there was a time where they did not advertise that they were showing certain movies. So, right. which to me would have been a good movie to go see because nobody else is in the theater. Well, that's also true. Yeah. Now, but again, all of that like is tenfold worse in the UK. Like during this time with the video nasties and stuff in the UK, something like Dawn of the Dead. Oh, it got chopped all to hell I'm before sure. it was deemed appropriate for home video. I'm sure. So in 1983 is when they released the video nasties list to the public for everyone to see. Wrong move, but go on. Exactly. Basically, that is like, for a guy like me, that is the checklist. Yeah. That is the, these are the ones I got to see. Altogether, there were 72 films. 39 of these films were prosecuted under the Obscene Publications Act. 
Some of these films were subsequently cut and then approved for release in the UK. Um, the remaining 33 were either not prosecuted or had unsuccessful prosecutions. But 10 films remained banned in the UK because they have uh, they weren't resubmitted for classification or the distributors rejected the classification. In a lot of these cases, cuts were made that were scenes of real-life animal cruelty and or excessive violence to women, both of which are still regarded with some degree of severity in the UK. These are things that, for better or for worse, are not deemed quite as... Uh, problematic in america i guess you could say well i know cannibal holocaust actually had i believe it was a scene with a turtle where they actually did kill a turtle and whatnot there are three scenes in cannibal holocaust that involve actual animal cruelty and i tried to watch cannibal Holo cannibal holocaust once and it just it was it was one of those things where i thought i i don't need to see this i just i just don't need to there's actually a um the most recent DVD or Blu-ray release, I can't remember, actually has two versions of the film. They have, they are completely identical, but one has the animal scenes and one does not. And I can tell you that it is a great horror film. It is one of the original quote-unquote found footage films. Right. You can watch it without the animal cruelty and it is, it's still just fine. Which I know um, that when, after Cannibal Holocaust came out, that the director was actually taken to court and actually had to have the actor show up in court to show that they were still alive. So when I said earlier that the 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 first film that kind of got this all started was 1979's Driller Killer, it was only a few months later in 1980 when they released Cannibal Holocaust, and that's exactly what happened. So the director of the film actually told the actors and actresses, lay low for a while. Yeah. Don't do any press. Don't do anything. And let's see how long we can kind of keep, keep the illusion. The and whatnot. Right. Same thing happened with, I believe it was Blair Witch. They told the actors yeah. not to do yeah. any. Yeah. Which it, to so, me is great marketing. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. And especially back in 1980 with Cannibal Holocaust, because nobody had seen anything like this before. Right. And so when Cannibal Holocaust came out, there was actual scenes of animal abuse. There was the actual, you know, cannibalistic tribes depicted in the film. Yep. So in all fairness, the prosecution had reason to believe like what is going on here? Like how much of this is a quote unquote movie and how much of this is a snuff film? Like what are we seeing right. that we shouldn't be seeing? So as time went on with so with some of these films, a big part of it though was just the cover art at the video store. Yes. Which, again, when you're 12 or 13 years old and you go to Blockbuster and you're walking through the horror section. And you have you no background for what these movies are. No. You're completely going off of a book can be judged by its cover. You know, which yeah. actually speaking of, I learned this in reading about this before. I saw that I Spit on Your Grave is actually in one of the lists. And so yep. in her memoir, uh, Demi Moore confirmed that she is the scantily clad woman with her back turned on the cover of the original movie, which I thought was interesting. I, you know what? I am. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I've never heard that before. And I don't think she is in the movie at all, but no, no, yeah. she is not in the film at all. But 
I Spit on Your Grave is indeed one of the video nasties. So essentially, even up until like within the past couple of years, like seriously, some of these films that were deemed video nasties back in the, the early 80s, just within the past 10, 20 years mm -hmm. are getting released in the UK uncensored. Yeah. They still, like a lot of these films to today's, you know, standards or whatever are deemed too much too much yeah, yeah. which, which, is, which is interesting which i'm sure these movies have made their way around the uk you know i think it'd be almost impossible for you know now whatever movies are not whatever movies are not released that are on this list are able to be found online you know for the last let's say 10 years i'm sure that there have been plenty of people who have gone, let's download movies and consult the video nasties list. So the vast majority of these films that were deemed video nasties in the UK were films that were readily available in North America. Oh, yeah. Uncut, uncensored. Oh, yeah. And so these films, there was um, kind of back in those days, they had these catalogs that you could subscribe to where they would have like a list of films that you could order. And a lot of times, kind of like today, when you go to to, to Craigslist or, or whatever website, like going to a flea market almost, you would see that there would be like somebody selling these, you know, let's say Cannibal Holocaust and House by the Cemetery. And they would be both on the same VHS tape. Right. And you would send away for it and they would send it to you. And it would be a, a black cassette tape with a white label and someone wrote in Sharpie the names of the films. Right. And then at the end, they might put 10 minutes of something else on it just to make you want to like Go send them that. another 40, 50 pounds for another movie. Right. Know? Which I think it's funny that, you know, some of the movies that are on this list, I know for a fact have made their way to the UK. Like, for instance, Scanners. I love the movie Scanners. But that movie, sure. I didn't know it was ever a movie that was censored or put on any list because to me, and I guess this just goes with what we, you know, know as, um, you know, Americans. Scanners was not the worst of the movies. I mean, yeah, it's a body horror movie and it had some pretty grotesque parts, but, you know, a David Cronenberg movie made it on the Video Nasties list. Very mainstream Very. to American audiences. Yes. But to UK, there's, there's, it's problematic. So this one was one that was not quite, Scanners was not quite as, uh, as bad as some of the, the other ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, for example, it, it was passed uncut for cinema, but it, it took a little while before it became uh, uncut for home video. It was 1987 when it was released to home video uncut. So it was about, I can't remember the exact year Scanners came out, but it was a couple of years difference before they deemed it okay. Um, Let's see. Scanners came out in 81. 81. So I it knew was, it was early them, 80s. It took until 87. It, it got, yes. Yeah. Now, obviously due to the coronavirus, a lot of streaming platforms and, and distribution companies kind of changed their whole, their whole thing. Business model. But yeah, but five, 10 years ago, if a film came out, let's say in January of 2021, by July, August, September, you could reasonably assume there would be a DVD release. Right. Could you imagine going to see a film that you absolutely loved and having to wait six years to get it on home video for the government to tell you it was okay for you to watch in your living room? <laughs> oh, I mean, knowing how people protest the smallest things that's something that would go the people would go completely apeshit about the government telling me what we can and can't watch 
So to to bring up Cannibal Holocaust again, and this is like within the past. Again, I I want to say that that's probably a transition that's acceptable at any point to bring up Cannibal Holocaust again. There's never a bad time to bring up Cannibal Holocaust. I mean, I could think of a few scenarios where it wouldn't be welcome. But awkward, awkward family dinner. It's Thanksgiving. It's the holidays. Everyone's getting riled up over politics. You say, hey, hey, let's talk about cannibal <laughs> Holocaust for a minute. Or you just lead into it like it's been mentioned before. Back to cannibal Holocaust. Yeah. So, hey, hey, Phil, we'll get back to that in a minute. I want to talk about the tortoise scene for a second. Hold on a second. <laughs> but, hey, but hey eating- Uncle Dave, I know how you feel about abortion, but let's talk about animal killing. <laughs> <laughs> so all the way up until 2001, okay? That was 20 years ago, which does seem like a long time. But Cannibal Holocaust came out in like 1980. Yeah. All right? So they're still messing with this thing. It was released in 2001 with five minutes and 44 seconds cut to remove most of the animal cruelty and rape scenes. Yeah. It was re-released with only 15 seconds cut to one of the animal cruelty scenes in 2011. Yeah. So even in 2011 in the UK, you still didn't have the completely fully uncut version of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, I'm sure they had it, but you know. So I want to acknowledge that it's not just movies that were excessively violent. No. There were other movies, like for instance, Foxy Brown, the uh, the Pam Greer vehicle. That is the anomaly. Yeah. Well, there's a couple other ones like there's a movie that that i saw in here that i actually came across years ago and you know i don't really want to watch it but it just kind of piqued my interest sx Exper- or ss experiment camp it's basically a uh nazi sex slave movie you know and it just i found the juxtaposition of those things funny but yeah so there are some examples on this list of movies that are not just excessively violent and i don't really think foxy brown and maybe it's just due to my current day standards i don't really think foxy brown is that sexual of a movie movie you know i know it it definitely had the porn beat and what going on in it but right. i don't really think it was an over-the-top sexual movie i mean hell we had uh what was it striptease and showgirls and whatnot right and those are way more over the top hell i mean it's so anyway yeah and a lot of these films like i said have been released in america with little to no censorship I was going to say some of these movies I have, I've actually watched. So I like to watch movies that are just bad, just bad movies and laugh at them. I like to make fun of them with my friends and they're great. And I didn't realize that some of the movies I was watching were video nasties because they're just so God awful that they're hilarious to me. Like for instance, uh, extra and, uh, there's another one on here, Rosemary's killer, but it was released as the prowler. So I know it as the prowler, just God awful movie. Well, and here's the thing. These were films that like, especially by today's standards, but even back in the the, the early 80s, late 80s, when a, a typical American audience might see these things, even then, there was a level of camp and a level of... But that's when they were creating camp. Well, yes. But, I, you know, I mean, I think even the most like staunch horror fan, the first time they watched the evil dead the first time they watched friday the 13th they saw i don't want to say the tongue in cheek but they knew this this isn't serious this isn't real like this doesn't have a real world implication whereas the uk government said no this is too much we cannot possibly let this get into the hands 
of our fragile children. Right. Which, again, is interesting because one of the films that is on this list is the first real quote-unquote horror movie I guess I ever saw, which is Dawn of the Dead. Right. Which I saw that when I was probably nine or ten years old. My dad showed it to me. Which, if um, I'm not mistaken, um, pretty much all of Romero's zombie movies are on this list. Until uh, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead are on it. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is actually funny because they had to cut some scenes to get it released in theaters. And yeah. then they released it uncut in 1987. And then in 2007... They downgraded it to a uh, age restriction of 15. Where we have rated R, they have 15 yeah. there. They they don't play around with what age you should be to get in to see it by throwing letters on it. They actually just say, hey, 15, 16, 18, and so forth. So that, that kind of leads me to this, this part of the discussion that I wanted to have. I'll take Evil Dead, for example. The Evil Dead films are my favorite movies. Which are also on um, this list. The the first one is. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evil Dead is, by today's standards, pretty tame. There's a couple of scenes in it that I think, taken at face value, are a little bit disturbing. Yeah. But when you actually watch them and watch the execution of them, they're silly. They're yeah. obviously... Uh, Evil Dead is a little bit unintentionally funny. Evil Dead yeah. 2 is much more purposely funny. But there's some things that happen in the first Evil Dead that are like, yeah, okay. Like, for example, there's a scene where a, a girl gets violated by a tree. Yes. Um, there's a scene where a girl takes a pencil to the like Achilles tendon. These are things that sound horrific, but when you watch the movie, it's like, it's obviously kind of silly, you know? And, and it's just an example of the execution as opposed to the subject itself. The execution isn't very good because I, the budget wasn't very good either, but I mean, it's, you know, I think it's in retrospect, it's, it's very silly at the time. It was probably a bit jarring. So fast forward to the early 2000s to, to even today, you have mainstream, big budget released to theater films like Hostel. Right. You have films like Saul. You have films like It and The Conjuring and these hard R graphic frightening film. And it's just, to me, it's fascinating to see that these films from late 70s, early 80s, all practical effects, all like Dawn of the Dead, for example, one of the one of the more infamous scenes, there's a shot where a person gets uh, their head blown off with a shotgun. OK, if you're just watching it in theaters, that's kind of a cool effect. It's like, whoa, I can't believe I just saw that DVD, Blu-ray. You watch it. That is a it looks like a pumpkin full of garbage and they just literally shoot it and it's ridiculous looking. Yeah. When they started to come out with the high def anything, you mm -hmm. suddenly started to realize like these things that scared me as a child were terrible. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's fascinating to me that even at the time of their release, there were grown adults who gave themselves the moral authority in the UK to say, no, no, people shouldn't see this. This is, this is depravity. This is awful, whatever it may be. Well, I mean, adults have been trying to oversee what, you know, what kids 
are seeing forever. I mean, even if you go back further to McCarthyism, where they were, you know, creating the comic books code to, you know, censor what was going into comic books that children were reading. And, and at the time, you know, and of course it may be a compared to today, at the time the stuff they were putting in comic books really wasn't bad. So, you know, parents and adults have been trying to censor what kids are watching forever. Of course, that's up until I would say probably the 40s when kids started getting their hands on stuff they probably shouldn't be watching at that age anyway. Right. And and I mean, I think there's always going to be this like, you know, I, I have a daughter who's two and a half years old. Um, when she gets a little bit older and she starts rummaging through the house, I have my God DVD save collection. her. I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't wish her to find anything and rummaging through your house is something that no, I listen, wouldn't want to do. Listen, when I, before we had our daughter, Alex, we had these great big bookshelves on either side of our, our entertainment center. I don't want to know just, what's in them. Just full of DVDs. Right. And I would say probably a good 70 to 80% of them were my DVDs, which were horror. Ju- just about every film on the video nasties list. Yeah. <laughs> And and a lot of other weird obscure things. And right. there's going to come a point in time where I hope Alex is curious about these these kind of movies. And I'm she sure wants to she watch will them. be. Yeah, and and I look forward to the day where I can sit with her and say, "Look, this is made to to get a certain emotional reaction out of you. It's not real. None of this stuff can hurt you. Yep. It's just it's just for entertainment." It's just for fun. Even like just the other day, I was wearing one of my Universal Monster shirts, the one that Lauren made me. And um, she was looking at it and she was like, monsters. And she was smiling and she wasn't scared. And she pointed to the bride who had her mouth open. She was like, she's singing. I was like, (laughs) exactly. These are nice monsters. Okay, so I want to talk about films that were not really, they were considered, but not considered, sort of. Yeah, so, yeah. A Clockwork Orange. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's mistakenly to have been banned by the BF, uh, BBFC, but it was actually Stanley, Stanley Kubrick himself who withdrew the film in 1973 on police advice after receiving death threats towards himself and his family. <laughs> that's That's part of these films. Some of these don't get released when they're supposed to or whatever. Because the distributor or the filmmaker doesn't want to reissue it for further scrutiny. Right. Uh, Child's Play 3. The film became notorious (laughs) in the United Kingdom when it was suggested it might have inspired the real-life murder of British child James Boogler and the (laughs) murder of Suzanne Capper. So... I don't know. This goes into a whole other debate about, you know, is media responsible for how we respond, you know, and the age old one about rock music, you know, is destroying our children and blah, blah, blah. Okay. So very interesting that you would make that correlation because I, in my research for this, I actually found a pretty interesting um, short little documentary about video nasties. And someone, the interviewer asked some of these film critics, what do you think the lasting effects of these laws, this video nasty legislation has in today's society? 
And one of them mentioned the specifically rock music, video games, and school violence. And yeah. they basically said, like, when Columbine happened, yep. everybody tried to grab onto something. They blamed video games like Doom and Duke Nukem. And then they tried to blame musical acts like Marilyn Manson. And it's like... And I remember an interview with Manson at the time and when it was brought up, he was, oh, this again. <laughs> yeah, because Marilyn Manson basically said, look, it's not my job to raise your kids. Right. And if if your kids are that influenced by my music, not my religious text, not my sermon, but my 45-minute long CD, that's your problem, you know? And being a, a, a musician who has played in a lot of different bands over the years, you know, I've, I firmly believe in freedom of speech. Same with these films. I feel like if a filmmaker wants to push the boundaries of uh, obscenity and horror... They should, they're within their right to do so. And as a consumer, it's up to you to decide if that is appropriate for you to consume or not. Now, right. I understand the trickiness of, hey, I'm a parent. I don't want my kid to see this or to watch this or whatever. They get their hands on it without me knowing about it. But that, I mean, that's been going on since the age of time. We're not going right. to be able to ever stop that from entirely happening. No, if my parents told me they didn't want me to watch something, I sought that out. So we're not going to... When I was in middle... Yeah, I was going to say, when I was in middle school, I would go to school talking to my friends about shows like The Simpsons and Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead, and they're like, oh, my, my parents won't let me watch that. And I'm like, really? Because my dad pulled me away from my homework, so I would come and watch that with him. You know, yeah. and it'd be like, come over to my house, you can watch it. Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, and you would find the, the kid whose parents were a little more lax on those things and go hang out at their house more. So I think, so I think anytime um, a government or authority figure or anybody puts together a list of something that kids shouldn't watch, that's just putting together a list of things that kids seek out to find and watch. Exactly. I mean, it's really exactly. just, it's really just, cutting out the research and, you know, going, Hey, I no longer have to go and find these things. I can go to this list and go, Hey, here they are. Now let's go find these specific things instead of sifting through the mountains of crap that's out there. And right. we can just go straight to what it is that we want to watch like suicide cult. That looks like a good one. <laughs> and and so, you know, another part of this is that I find very interesting. Actually, suicide cult these... does look fairly interesting. <laughs> well, okay. So what's really fascinating to me is that a lot of these films that the UK back in the, the early 80s said, these are these are the worst. You should not see them. You should not let your kids see them are now considered either a horror classics or B, in a lot of cases, cinematic classic. Yeah. Like, for example, Night of the Living Dead. Right. That is a profound film, whether you're a horror fan or just a, a casual film fan. Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't film. say I wouldn't say that's defined as a classic film across the board. I think for a lot of people, it is like people like you and I. But across the board, I don't think that it probably is. I think a a uh, a film aficionado who looks at films critically, not just your average film goer that just likes to watch movies, right. but someone who actually pays attention to um, atmosphere and pathos and execution has to respect Night of the Living Dead as a film, not just a horror movie, but as an, a legitimate film. Again, we've we've kind of 
we'll get to that on another episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, like the casting choices, the cinematography, like there's a lot of things that make that film worth a watch and the fact that they tried to basically ban it yeah. in a country is is mind-blowing not only that one but texas chainsaw massacre yeah um again i wouldn't say it is quite as well i don't know i don't want to i don't want to piss off any horror movie fans but it, it's considered a classic of the genre yes it, it absolutely is i don't think that is a classic movie by any means but it is a classic of the genre it you know right it's it's definitely made its it's name but the fact that friday 13th one and two are on yes. the list and those are considered classics in in the genre even though part two is where things really got campy and started heading down a different path um yeah yeah spoiler alerts um i think you know. i think every movie that's on this list the <laughs> fact that the list was put together when it was tells us that spoilers are off the table and we can just say okay, whatever the okay. hell we want to if you haven't seen one of these it's your own damn fault there's but, a there's a list your, on Wikipedia. You can go look yes. it up. Uh, to your point, though, yeah, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is when they introduced Jason. Yes. And, yeah. And well, again, actually, like, at the end of Friday the Thirteenth is when they introduced Jason. Air. Yeah. Point. Fair yeah. Point. And they introduced his head earlier in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but so think about this for a second. Think about it's 1984, 85. You're part of the British government. You want to ban these films. That flash forward over. Well, not even flash forward. Just cross the pond over to America. We have Nintendo games. Yeah. Based on Friday the Thirteenth. Right. Which, one of my favorite parts about the Nintendo game version of Friday the 13th is that Jason had, what was it, bright purple shoes. <laughs> hey. Yeah, no, his whole jumpsuit was purple. Yeah, yeah, that's right. His jumpsuit was purple. He had, like, blue shoes. I mean, it was just this, like... Oh, it was great. Neon nightmare of an awesome character. <laughs> Again, um, not that it's a video nasty, but, like, Nightmare on Elm Street, like Freddy Krueger. Actually, like, it is. Was Friday the 13th on here? Uh, or uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street? I thought so. I thought I saw it. I have looked at this list a lot. No, it wasn't. I'm, not... I'm sorry. It wasn't. I'm wrong. I, I thought okay. it was. But but my point is that like in the 80s, when here in America, we're like, ooh, Freddy Krueger's cool. And we're wearing him on T-shirts. And he's like on uh, late night talk shows and on T-shirts and, and cereal boxes. Over in the UK, they're like, no, no, get Get this out of here. This is going to corrupt our youth. Well, it's because <laughs> it's because America has always been about marketing and fun, and the UK has always been about prim and proper and control, in my opinion. And I guess until the, I guess, until the eighties, like mid eighties. And and I guess that's where you're you're free to make your own distinction on this because to me, like I love horror films, and I've always found them to be fun. And even the ones that are disturbing and, and dark, and there are a few that even I have to say, all right, that's that's enough for me. But majority of the time, majorly speaking, they're fun. They're they're yeah. they create a feeling that, you know, um Yeah, I mean they they are fun. They they create an emotion and they're good time. Right. So so let me leave you with this. If if you want to obviously the best thing for you to do as a listener is is to go to Wikipedia, look at this list. I can almost guarantee that if you're even a casual movie fan, you've seen a few of these. I, I don't think I've seen many of these all the way through, but I've definitely seen at least bits and pieces of a lot of these. 
And to be honest with you, some of these are, they're not even really worth your time. Some of okay. these are just bad. So one of the um, things that should be noted about these is the name of the movie, you know, beside the name, it's got what it was also known as. And a lot of times, right. and within this list, I'm finding that I actually know it as the movie that it's known as. Like, for instance, Forest of Fear, also known as Toxic Zombies, which is what I know that movie as. Not Forest of Fear, which... It, that's a whole other loophole, or a, a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Um, Lucio Fulci, uh, Italian zombie films are notorious for this. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other can of worms. But you're exactly right. A lot of these films, I don't want to say are hard to track down, but you never really know which one you're watching because of the names. Okay, so um, so going back to that movie Suicide Cult. So Suicide Cult sounds like a hell of a movie, but right. it, but it was released under the name The Astrologer, which doesn't sound <laughs> like that crazy of a movie. And actually, the poster for it doesn't seem that insane either. I mean, it's I mean, it, it looks like a weird movie about a cult, which I could get down on because that kind of stuff fascinates the hell out of me but it's like i want to say that they they took the more brutal name and put that on the list i would like to think that some of these movies were put on that list because of the names that they went with that's that is also true and most of these films just a, a cursory glance at the list you'll see the words like dead and blood oh, yeah. and murder and kill i mean they're every movie has some combination of that yeah um one last piece that i would suggest to people go to youtube and search siskel and ebert video oh. nasty oh now it is no to, to anybody that is familiar with siskel and ebert it'll come as no surprise that they are not for horror fans they've no. never been horror fans they don't no. they don't get it and they're not respectful of it and when they talk about the video nasties this is incredibly funny listening to these two grown men act like middle school girls is phenomenal they are literally telling people do not watch these films they will corrupt you they will ruin your children these aren't these aren't just your spook house fun horror movies these are depraved and the filmmakers are sick and it's like again what did we just say that makes me want to watch this right. movie now well okay so Roger Ebert, when he had good taste, he had really good taste. When he had bad taste, he had really bad taste. I don't feel like there was any in the middle for that guy. And of course, that's all based on my taste. So Roger Ebert was a special, special breed. Both so, of them, man. Both yeah. of them. Just if you ever just want a good laugh, pick like a movie you really, really enjoy and then go back and watch their review of it and see if it's even close to the same. Oh, it's it's usually not. Um, no, most of the movies that I've done that for just out of curiosity of what reviewers had to say about a movie that, you know, I got into after, you know, sometime yeah. after it came out, I would go back and I would inevitably find their review of it. And it was usually completely opposite of, of my oh, opinion. Absolutely. So, so anyway, well, yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in and listening to, uh, to this episode. V is for video nasty. I am the monster G. I, I, <laughs> I understand that you like having Monster G, but it's going to take me a little bit to get there. It's, it's, it's That's gonna, fine. Yeah, it's going to take you a minute. But either way, Monster G, MG, I'm Danger. Thanks for listening, everybody. Good night, everybody.